Welcome to the Mount Zion Wesleyan Church Podcast. We hope this message encourages you, challenges you, and inspires you to step into the life God has for you. For more information about our church, visit us online at mountzionwesleyan.com. Well, good morning, church. So good to see you. Hey, a little bit of business up front. Uh, I will be honest with you. Last week was an incredible disappointment for us to have to press pause on in-person gatherings. And I remember kind of coming to this conclusion or this reality when uh, the effects of the virus continued just to kind of stack up against us, if you will, really making the decision for us. Last Sunday was a time that we really could not meet. We did not have enough staff and volunteers to gather in person. In light of that, so that we do not have to press pause again moving forward, we're going to take a little bit of precautions, uh, stronger precautions moving forward. In the next couple weeks, we are going to make our balcony area mask-only area. And this is really for two reasons. One, it will be able to invite those individuals that really want to gather with us in person, yet they're not they're not quite there yet. And they've expressed to us, if we felt like we had a safe place to come to, then we would certainly join you. And in my opinion, we will remove any obstacles that are keeping people from gathering with us in person, okay? So we'll communicate more about that, about that date. And I wanna thank you in advance for your support uh, in regard to that decision. If you will, would you bow your heads and let's go to the Lord and just invite his presence here this morning. Father, we thank you for your grace and for your mercy and for your love. And Father, we say now that we are utterly dependent on you. We need your help. So Father, come and reveal yourself through us in a very powerful way this day so that the people that came in here will be different when we leave because of the working of your Holy Spirit in us and through us in your strong, precious, and sufficient name. And all God's people say, amen. To catch us up, Elijah, he has drawn the proverbial sword against King Ahab and his wife Jezebel. He has become in direct opposition to Baal and the idol worship to the point where he stands before King Ahab and says, not a drop of rain will fall on this land until I say so. The problem with this, if you go even deeper, is that Baal was the God, the idol God of rain, of the storm. So Elijah, what he is saying in this moment is I'm going to show you what a false God looks like in the form of Baal. Well, this did not go well with Ahab or with Jezebel leading Elijah to live a life of exile, an outlaw, stranded in the desert, without any form of provision except God. And God brings ravens to deliver food to him, and he places Elijah by a brook so that Elijah can find not only rest by the stream, but also water. In 1636, Settlers came to a geographical location known as Rhode Island. The thing that these colonists did not come to understand at this point was how harsh the winters were in Rhode Island. But they, they soon found out. 
And there was this season that they did not know if they were going to be able to survive it. The crops were not bearing fruit like they thought that they would. They could not find warmth the way that they needed. But being good Puritans, they had an obedience and a dependence upon God. And when they found themselves on the other side of this season, they named this geographical place Providence, Rhode Island, which means my God, my provider. And I would submit to you this morning that not only is Providence, Rhode Island, a reminder of God's faithfulness and provision, but your life and my life are also walking, living reminders of a good God, a providing God, If you have air in your lungs this morning, it is proof positive that God is a God of provision, that he is a provider. If you have your Bibles, if you'll turn to 1 Kings chapter 7, we're going to be picking up in verse 7. 1 Kings chapter 17, verse 7, hear the word of the Lord. But after a while, the brook It dried up, for there was no rainfall anywhere on the land. Pause. The question that we have to wrestle with this morning, that we have to chase after, is this. What does your faith look like when your brook dries up? Where that thing or that place or that person that you have relied on to be your provider, to be your provision when it dries up, when it lets you down, when it breaks, when it falls apart, when it deceives you or betrays you? What does your faith journey look like when your brook dries up? When your job, you are handed a a pink slip and you have come to depend on your job, the income, the relationships there when it dries up. When your health, when you receive the diagnosis or you realize that your body begins to fail you as you get older, if that your health has become your provider, What does faith look like, your faith, my faith look like when it dries up, when it betrays us? When we have relied on her or him, that relationship to be our provider of emotional support, of comfort, when they betray us or let us down, what does faith, what does life, what does your journey look like when it dries up? Because here's the reality, you live enough life and your brook inevitably, eventually, it'll dry up. It'll let you down. You see, God has a way of allowing this to occur because his desire for your life and for my life is that he and he alone be the sole provider, be the provision that we are utterly dependent upon. And what we have come to realize is when we place our faith, our hope in a substance other than God and God alone to be our provider, it will let us down. 
It will fail us. So the question is, what does life look like when our provision dries up? Often, God will allow the brook to dry up because he wants to utterly take us from here to ultimately there. And what once we found contentment, joy, and satisfaction in, it is no longer providing that. And the reason that we are experiencing the discontentment is because God is desiring us to find another source, another provider. But we may be miserable in this job. We may be miserable in this relationship. It may not be birthing life in us or giving us joy. It may not be bringing the contentment that we desire, but at least it's predictable. At least we know what we're getting into. And if we have to go there where God leads us, there are far more questions than answers. There is far more uncertainty there than there is here. So what does life look like when God is bringing us from here to there, when he is calling us from this source to this provider, to this provision. Elijah knew what it looked like, and he knew what to do in this moment, and he gives us a beautiful example to model, because if you continue to read in verse eight, scripture says, then the Lord said to Elijah. You see, Elijah knew that when his, the brook dried up and it was no longer providing, that he had to listen to the voice of God. He had to look for the moving of God. He had to be faithful and he had to be obedient. But what you see next is what many of us have come to experience in our own lives. What God tells him doesn't make any sense. It seems irrational. It seems impossible. It seems crazy to risk it all. And we know what that's like, don't we? When we feel and we hear the voice of God saying, you can no longer stay here. I am calling you now to this place, this place of blessing, this place of security, this place of provision. This is where I am moving. This is where I want to use you. And we think, but God, there are far more questions than answers. That seems impossible. That seems countercultural. You see, in 1 Kings chapter 17, verse 9, we hear and we see what God said to Elijah. Go and live in the village of Zarephath, near the city of Sidon. I have instructed a widow there to feed you. You see, for Elijah to be faithful and obedient in this moment, it is going to require tremendous faith. He is going to have to surrender his very life. Why? Because to walk into the land of Zarephath, that is the, the Bible belt. That is the belt buckle, if you will, of Baal worship. That is where Baal had become such an idol. There was such devotion and dedication to Baal in this place. 
And Elijah was in direct opposition. In fact, Ahab had a search party looking for him. So to walk into the very mouth of the enemy through the gates of hell did not seem to make sense. It seemed crazy to Elijah. And Elijah was faced. Am I going to stay here where it's predictable, where I know, even though it may cost me my very life, or am I willing to surrender my comfort in pursuit of faithfulness? Many of us this morning, we know what this feels like, don't we? You see, God is leaning into you and he has been speaking to you for a season. And he's calling you from this place of knowing to this place of uncertainty. He's calling you to risk it all. And in your mind and in your economy of thinking, it just simply doesn't add up. It doesn't make sense. And you have to make the decision Are you going to remain in comfort? Are you willing to forfeit it, to set aside in pursuit of faithfulness because it is in faithfulness that God can bring about a miracle, that God can bring about the change, the contentment, the joy, the satisfaction, the fulfillment that you are actually desiring. And here's the thing about God. It doesn't have to make sense to you because God can use whoever, whatever, and he can do it whenever. And we have to ask the question, do we trust him? Do we trust him with our one and only lives? So how did Elijah respond in this moment? If you continue to read, so he went to Zarephath. You notice how there's no break between nine and 10 verses. He heard the voice of the Lord and he did it. This is a life that has been shaped by uncertainty, by risking it all. This is a life that has become utterly dependent and surrendered to the father through life's circumstances. He has learned that you can trust in God. And he has learned that God will use the unthinkable, the unmistakable, the offset, the forgotten to bring about provision and miracles in his life. You see, Elijah knew what it was like to be fed by ravens. Scripture says that the ravens, they're an unclean bird. They're savages, they're scavengers. They they are not to be touched. And God used what humanity thought was evil, bad, to bring about the very provision that Elijah needed. And then God goes a step further. He says, I'm gonna send you to this pagan land, this foreign land. I'm gonna send you like a sheep among the wolves. And I'm going to use a widow, an unclean pagan widow, to be your provision, to be your provider. You see, in this culture, 
for Elijah to submit to this and allow a woman to provide for him, it was unthinkable. It was unimaginable. It seemed impossible. Yet scripture tells us the way that Elijah responded was one step at a time. He trusted God, believing that God could use what man meant for evil for good. You see, God may take you through hell in order to reveal heaven. It reminds me of a joke that I heard one time or a story about a young lady who moved from Oklahoma to New York City. She wanted to star in Broadway. And when she got to New York City, she realized everyone there else also had this shared dream. So she found herself in this 250 foot square foot apartment, no windows. And as she could not find employment, her food and money began to run out. And she began to pray and beg and plead with God, God, I don't know what I'm going to do. You're going to have to do something miraculous in this moment. You're going to have to provide because I have no way out of this. There was an atheist that lived beside her and the walls were paper thin. And he became so frustrated and disgusted by hearing this woman praise and pray and beg and plead with God. And he passed her in the hallway one day and said, you fool, do you know that no one hears you when you're praying except for me? There is no God. He doesn't care about you if he does exist. She didn't lose heart. She kept pleading. She kept praying. She kept begging. And then the food ran out. And she said, God, I have nothing to eat unless you provide. And this atheist, he said, ah, this is where I'm going to get her. So he went to the grocery store and he bought all these groceries and he took her and he put them on her front porch and she knocked on the door and he ran into his apartment. He peeped out the little crack there in the door. She opened the door and there was all these groceries and she began to praise God. God, my provider, you are so faithful. You are so good. And the man jumped out and said, you fool. That wasn't God. That was me. I provided the groceries. And she got even louder in her praise. And he said, woman, didn't you hear me? And she said, God, you provided and you used the devil to do it. Because God, his ways are higher than our ways, better than our ways. And sometimes God will use what man meant for evil. He will use the impossible to put heaven in full display, which leads us to the question, where is God calling you to? What is he asking of you? And ultimately, how do we know, how do we know the will of God when all we have is the general? You see, if I was Elijah and God told me, I need you to go to Zarephath and there, there's going to be a widow and that widow will provide for you. And apart from that widow, you will not be provided for. I would ask the question, where's the widow going to be? How am I going to know where she is? Is she going to be expecting me? Is she going to welcome me? Where are we going to meet? What does she look like? I would have all these questions. 
And isn't that how your life and my life is? We feel God calling us to this impossible, to this next place in which he is going to provide. He is going to bring about the fulfillment of the very thing that we have desired, that we are called to for us to walk in faithful obedience. But before we will take our next step, we believe we have to have all of our questions answered. And we complain that I don't have the details, I don't have the specifics. And once I get the specifics, then I will take my next step. But until then, I'm just gonna stay here. You see, we can't complain about not having the specifics if we're not obedient and faithful with the general. If we're not taking our next steps when God speaks, Because oftentimes God will use that journey from here to there to refine you, to build in you. Because if he laid out his plans in full, well, you would run in the other direction. So our response to the general when God speaks is a faithful yes. God send me. As you continue to read in scripture, as Elijah arrived at the gates of the village, he saw a widow gathering sticks and he asked her, would you please bring me a little water in a cup? And as she is going to get it, he called out, and will you bring me a bite to eat also? So here, Elijah, he sees this widow woman. He begins to ask the question, is this the widow that is going to provide for me? So I'm going to begin to test God in this moment. And he sees her gathering wood and he thinks to himself, there's only two reasons why she would gather wood. One is for, to build a fire for warmth. The other is to build a fire for food. So he begins to test, hey, will you bring me some water? Of course I will. And while you're at it, will you, will you bring me food to eat? But how she responds leads Elijah to begin to question, is this really God's path for me? Is this my provision? Is this where he's calling me? And oftentimes when we are on our journey from here to there, we will face obstacles and questions. And in those moments, Scripture reminds us to keep moving forward, keep trusting God. So she responds, but she said, I swear by the Lord your God that I don't have a single piece of bread in the house and I have only a handful of flour left in the jar and a little cooking oil in the bottom of this jug. I was just gathering a few sticks to cook the last meal and my son and I, we are going to die. So this woman At this moment, she comes to this faith journey where Elijah is dependent on her. And she knows if I give this to Elijah, I I may not have enough for myself. So what does she do? How does she respond when God calls her from here to there? Well, she does it. She makes him this cake of bread and she gives it to him. And just as God said through the mouth of Elijah, the flour, it never ran out. And the oil, 
It never ran dry. Often in our journey, not only will God call us to a place, but God will ask us to invest our time, our talent, our tongue, our words, and our treasure. But often, like the widow, we will look at what we have to offer, what we have to bring, what we have to surrender, what we have to invest, and we'll think, I don't have enough. I don't have enough money or I don't have enough time. I don't have enough talent. I'm not eloquent in speech. How could God possibly use this? But notice how she responds. Just like Elijah, she is faithful in her investment because in her hands are the ingredients for a miracle. Instead of focusing on what she doesn't have, she chooses to change her perspective, her vantage point, to look at everything she does have. And she chooses in this moment to faithfully invest. The question that we are left with is, what is God asking you to invest? Your time, your talent, your treasure, your tongue. And instead of only looking and making excuses, well, if I only had or if I could only get, then I would, to instead be faithful in what we have, to be good stewards of what God has blessed us, to realize that God will never call us to what he has not prepared us for. So out of faithful obedience, she invests into Elijah. And in this investment, brings about the miracle that she is going to need in the future. You see, after a while, her son, he draws sick and he breathes his last breath. And she pleads with Elijah, Elijah, man of God, Have you come to this place not to be a blessing, but to bring judgment upon my house? And Elijah, he doesn't know how to respond because he knows that she, like him, have fallen short of the glory of God and God is sovereign. And if God requires this young boy's life, then he can do that. And Elijah does only what he can. He says, give me the boy. And he takes the boy to the upper room. And scripture says that he lays the young boy out and scripture says that Elijah stands and he stretches his arms and he lays upon the boy as if to say, God, take me, take my very life in place of this young boy. And God, for the first time, brings about a resurrection. And many of us think, why why doesn't God do this now? Why doesn't he bring resurrection about now? But doesn't he? And how many of us have been seeing a resurrection in our finances, a resurrection in our relationships, a resurrection in our health? How many of us have seen a resurrection in our very response to God through faithful surrender and obedience? God, forgive me, accept me, love me. And his response is yes. And he brings us from death to life. You see, God is always in the business of resurrection. And the little boy takes a deep breath 
the investment made by this widow now brings about the miracle that she needs and desires and has prayed for. How could God use the investment that you make today through your time, your talent, your treasure, and your tongue to bring about the miracle that you're going to need a week from now, a year from now, a decade from now? Do you know how many times I've sat beside a grieving family, a family who received a phone call in the middle of the night and their lives just fell apart in an instant. And in the midst of the grief, in the midst of the storm, in the midst of the turmoil, they looked and they said, I don't know how people get through this without the support of the church, without the presence of the church. The investment that they made now becomes the miracle that they need. Where are you investing your time, your talent, your treasure, and your words, your tongue? Could it be that the investment made today will bring about the miracle that you need the most? Why? Don't you see? God is our provider. He is good. He is loving. He is gentle. He is kind. And I believe with all that is in me that right now he is leaning into many of us in this room and in the sound of my voice. And he is beginning to reveal where we are and where he is calling us to. And it doesn't make sense. It seems crazy. It seems like we are walking in through the gates of the enemy. And he is saying, if you will only trust me, put one foot in front of the other because the investment that you make, it is going to bring about the miracle that you're going to need. So with every head bowed and with every eye closed, Father God, our provider, our provision, there has never been a moment in history that you have not been enough there's never been a time that your supply has ran out, that your flower jar has been empty, that your oil jug has run dry. God, you have always been exactly what we need in the moment that we need it. So may we recognize your goodness, your faithfulness, God, may we realize that every gift we have, every resource that we have become dependent upon has been provided by you. So God, this day and for the rest of our days, may we find our joy, our contentment in beautiful surrender to the God who provides and may we be faithful and obedient in our investment, knowing that the investment today may bring about the miracle that we need tomorrow. And when we walk in that miracle and we see it birthed, may we be reminded, God, my provider, you are good. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and all God's people say, amen. Would you stand to your feet as we worship together?
Thanks for listening to the Mount Zion Wesleyan Church podcast. We hope this message has inspired you to take a next step in your walk with Jesus. For more messages or to watch our full worship gathering on demand, visit us online at mountzionwesleyan.com.